welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Todd, and Tude. Greetings, Earthlings. It's Dude. It's the Album Nerds Podcast. <laughs> got Andy and Don with me, as always. <laughs> That's pretty random. <laughs> so, gentlemen, how you doing? You ready to talk about uh, albums, uh, super things? Yeah, I'm doing pretty super. How you doing, Don? I'm super excited. Can you tell? That's that's uh, that's super cool. So, this is the Album Nerds Podcast. We talk about albums. albums. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to also answer a question, and then we're going to spin the Wheel of Musical Destiny to help us on our journey to listen to even more albums and what those will be for the following week. But today, it's all about the supergroups. That's what I'm talking about! Well, what is a supergroup? It's a musical group whose members are already established, uh, either as solo artists or as members of, of other groups. So each of us is going to present uh, an album from from a supergroup. That's super. Super duper. Supergroups, I mean, that's kind of, I don't remember that term being used very much until the early 2000s, perhaps, although there were bands in the past that could be considered that. So the Yardbirds are a great example. We've talked about them before on the show. Mm -hmm. A bunch of established guys that came together. But it really has become more of a marketing term. So one-offs, cash-ins, I mean, how much of their existence do you guys think is a commercial thing? How much of it is, is it sometimes just organic? I mean, I think it could be either, but I would say nowadays it feels like a largely commercial endeavor. It's kind of like, how do we combine two artists' audiences together for even larger paydays and tours and whatnot? Uh, well, Yeah. Right, I mean... Yeah, I think that part of it is because the music industry has changed too, where there aren't as many big draws. I mean, look at how many concerts and stuff now. So you got supergroups, but then it's all these combo deals. They bring together as many people as possible because you're trying, you know, it's harder to sell tickets. You're not selling as many records as you used to. So how do you make that up? But the creativity, I think sometimes, a lot of times is genuine. It's probably exciting for two big names or more to get together and try and make something new, especially if you've been in your band for a long time and that's all you've ever done. Yeah, it's cool when it happens organically. We did a whole episode uh, about the the traveling Wilburys, and while that might seem like a big marketing, you know, idea to have all these huge names uh, working together, um, I, mean, I get the sense that that just sort of you know evolved out of you know some guys hanging around and you know deciding they wanted to to play together. And I think that's that's when it's best. Well, these musicians seem to be maybe just you know admire each other or be friends through their playing or touring or whatever. And yeah, that feels very genuine. And maybe there's some interesting stuff that comes out of that. But even still, I would argue when you have so many like creative geniuses in a room trying to contribute to one thing, sometimes it's just like too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, you don't have enough people just doing like their enough role players, you know, like you're trying to create like a good basketball team. You need a few role players on there just to, to rebound and shoot free throws and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know how it's sold on the whole concept yet, but... Okay, so uh, I think it's time to get super. You choo choo choose me? Hey, if you're the Texas country blues picking in the song you're about to hear, you're right. Played by one of the finest musical groups in the world. Welcome, Bobby Whitlock. 
Johnny Cash intro to your band. Yes, it's very kind of him. Nice guy, nice guy. All right, so for my selection, here we are talking about Derek and the Dominoes and their 1970 album, Layla and Other Sorted Love Songs. Why don't we play the title cut? It's a little bit of Layla. For me, like that's probably the song I associate most with Eric Clapton. Would you guys agree? Yes. Yeah. But there's a little there's a little fly in the ointment when oh, it yeah. comes to this song. Okay. Unplugged. What was that? 1994 ish, 92 ish. 90s. Yeah. The unplugged version became huge from the MTV Unplugged special. Mm-hmm. Kind of bluesy, slowed down yeah, thing. It's a so. Slower. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely his signature song. When you think Clapton, you think Layla. One or the, one way or the other. Don, your opinion? Oh, sorry. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I, I like this version better. It's got a cool instrumental part, like a piano portion that I've never... It's not part of the, the acoustic version, obviously. And that's used famously in Goodfellas. Is it really? Yeah, when they start finding all the dead bodies. Like they find the one guy in the refrigerator truck or, or in the freezer. Yeah, they, they're that's playing a little that. montage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a good little tidbit there, though. Okay. All right. So let's back up a second here. So this is their first and only studio album for Derek and the Dominoes. Uh, four piece from London, England. So Eric Clapton, obviously, guitar and vocals. Uh, Bobby Whitlock, Carl Rattle, and Jim Gordon. Johnny told us. I just wanted to mention that those guys are all from a band called Delaney and Bonnie and Friends, which was kind of like a, a touring group that would sub in lots of different artists from various groups to play with them, I guess, in the, the late 60s and 70s. And Dwayne Allman, he provides guitar on the majority of this record. Um, some really cool, like, slide guitar, kind of complement Clapton's playing. That's one of the things that really sold me on this record. I think the having the two of them on guitar together is almost just like, it's like Christmas every time I listen to this record. It's almost too good to be true. Yeah, so my three words for this record are scandalous blues moment. Um, we'll get into the backstory a little bit on, on the scandal, but I feel like this is one of the better blues records I can think of. I really, really came to love this one. Um, there are just some moments of absolute brilliance um, and some... I guess looking back on Clapton's discography, it feels a little bit inconsistent to me. Um, this record I thought was pretty solid start to finish. So in my mind, I kind of hold this up above some of the other stuff he was doing in the late 60s and early 70s. Okay, next up, we're going to play a little bit of Have You Ever Loved a Woman? Uh, this whole album, I would say, is just like quintessential Clapton. And that, that, those are, that's actually the, the three words I chose were uh, 76 minutes of Clapton. <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's a double album, so it's it's long. While I appreciate blues guitar and, and blues rock, I do tend to get bored with it. You know, I, I think a lot of times um, songs can, you know, start to, to sound the, the same. But I don't know. I, I There's something about this this album that, that keeps my, uh, my attention. Clapton has 
I think, a unique guitar sound. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those that, you know, if you played one, one of his solos or something, I, it, I could probably guess that it's him. And, that, you know, those are the, the kinds of musicians I, I really appreciate. It's not necessarily the, the virtuosity, you know, which he certainly has, but it's just that, you know, he, he has his own uh, original take on, on the instrument. Uh, and that's definitely, you know, highlighted throughout the, the album. Although uh, I guess I would, you know, as I move forward, I guess I would try to pick out which moments are Dwayne Allman and which ones are, are Clapton. Yeah, I was trying to do that too. I, the, the biggest helper is, I guess for me, was Dwayne tends to play the slide guitar on most of these tracks. Um, so they can kind of tell it to you apart a little bit easier. But yeah, I mean, you're primarily here for the guitar. I, I think the, the backing band is, you know, is solid and they do keep things moving along. But when the album is great, it's great because of the guitar playing. All right, let's dig into a little bit into the kind of the history of this record or the setting, I guess, and when it was composed. Um, Clapton, you know, I see he had done Cream in the, in the late 60s, which was very popular. He became a bit of a superstar um, because of that supergroup. Uh, he was looking to do something a little more under the radar. He had just kind of broken up with the guys from Blind Faith and was kind of gotten in playing some gigs with these Delaney and Bonnie and friends. And I was enjoying kind of the anonymity of that group brought him. You could just kind of go on tour with them and not be, you know, surrounded by, by fans. So he was kind of digging that vibe. And then he met a woman who happened to be married to his friend George Harrison as they were finishing up recording on All Things Must Pass, which we reviewed last year, the George Harrison record. Falls in love or becomes infatuated with George's wife who was named Patty Boyd. And that is largely the inspiration for this record. Uh, I believe the, the woman on the cover or the painting on the cover of the record is supposed to represent Patty, or at least in Eric's mind, represent Patty. And the majority of the songs in here are kind of about unrequited love or a love that you can't can't get to. Layla is, is written specifically about her, and the majority of the songs kind of do harken back to that theme. Pretty scandalous or pretty crazy to think about. You know, one, just having... You know, your your best friend's wife is someone that you're infatuated with. It's pretty scandalous. And then just adds another layer when that person is such a public figure like George Harrison. Eventually, they would, George and, and Patty would get divorced, and, and Eric would end up marrying Patty uh, in the 70s, I believe. Did you guys, were you guys aware of that situation? Yeah, I, I actually, we just didn't have time to get to it during uh, All Things Must Pass because I did want to talk about it during that because it was torture for him to be around her. This album, to me, feels like a continuation in some ways of All Things Must Pass. It reminds me a lot of Rick Springfield with Jesse's Girl. It was like the same situation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. The only two people that have ever gone through that are Eric Clapton and Rick Springfield. Sorry, Andy. That's <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, Eric, he really feels tormented on this record i think it makes for some really compelling music and uh why don't we play one more cut um this is i believe the lead single off the record written by clapton and bobby whitlock bell bottom blues yeah so i've always really enjoyed that song Again, it is a reference to Patty Boyd. Eric was touring the States, and she had asked him to get her some of those American bell bottoms while he was there. And there's sort of a joy in it. You can tell he's in love, but at the same time, it's killing him. 
Uh, the three words that I used to describe this album were must-listen album. And like I said, it does have the same kind of magic that George Harrison's All Things Must Pass had. There's something special going on, and this is right in the same time period. Eric Clapton, clearly, whether heartbroken or not, his experiences with Patty made for some great music. Well, I was reading about her. She was listed among like the most influential muses to musicians, uh, and uh, she inspired a lot of you know, really great music. Even though she was torturing these guys, <laughs> she, she, did, she did indirectly produce a lot of great 70s music. Yeah, there's a cover of Little Wing on here. Jimi Hendrix had just passed away. There's also a bunch of other just blues standards on here, including Key to the Highway, which I think is one of the highlights on there. Some absolutely fantastic guitar play on that. But yeah, I think the, I think the standout is is the title track and just some some moments of brilliance, in, in my opinion. I am going to nominate this for the Anoffs. I think it's Clapton's best record. I think, uh, I think he deserves a spot in the hall. And this such an interesting from a historical standpoint. I, I can't can't not do it. So Ainhoff nominee from me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think it's I, I think it's an obvious choice, um, and I, I think it is probably the it is the Clapton record. Uh, I would say I've always t- taken some issue with the term Clapton is God. <laughs> But if there's a moment in his career where he was close, it's this album. So, yes. All right. Well, congrats out to Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah, and sorry, uh, the Dominoes. You guys are great, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so once again, Layla and other sorted love songs is the the one and only record. They did release a few live albums afterwards, but uh, if you haven't heard it, it's uh, a little bit of gold from the early 70s. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Now it's time when we ask ourselves a question. Best supergroup across all media. Who? Who are they? The Avengers? The A-Team? Something else? Tell us about it. Okay, so, uh, you know, I guys saw over the weekend that Barbara Walters passed, which got me kind of thinking about, like, investigative reporters and um, some of those shows I used to watch over the years. And I got thinking about maybe, like, 60 Minutes might be my choice here. Uh, especially like that early to mid 90s 60 minutes crew had like mike wallace morley safer uh ed bradley andy rooney charles osgood you guys remember charles osgood diane sawyer really great group of of reporters there you don't really see that as much nowadays so was osgood the dude with the bow tie yep he had like the little okay okay little segment at the end i believe so yeah i I used to love 60 minutes that'd be that'd be my super group how about you don yeah, sixty minutes was always the uh, it indicated that like the weekend was over. Mm-hmm. Sunday yeah. nights. So like the, as the football game would be wrapping up, you'd hear the promo for sixty minutes. Tick 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 yeah. tick. Yeah, that tick tocking sound always depressed me. <laughs> Time to get serious. For my super group, I'm I'm gonna go into the the world of sports. I mean, the obvious pick would be like the dream team, mm. but a less obvious one I, I do when um, LeBron and Dwayne Wade and uh, Chris Bosh joined forces for the the Miami Heat. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, that was uh, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting choice. Yes, that is an interesting choice. I was thinking about Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and but ultimately it didn't Michael Jordan could have been surrounded by us three could have still won basketball games <laughs> I like the Miami Heat pick just because like most supergroups it wasn't perfect 
Um, I mean, they did end up winning two championships, but there was a lot of turmoil and it, it took time to, to figure out how to, how to adjust to each other. Um, and you had to mix in a few role players, as, as Andy said. It's an important part of any super group. You gotta, you still gotta rebound. Ultimately, the album nerds, that's my favorite super group. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, in the podcast world also, <laughs> Smartless really was what I was thinking about, which kind of came together during the pandemic. It's Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, mm. and Will Arnett. And they, uh, I think it's a weekly show. They have a surprise guest every week. One of the guys picks the guest, and then there's hints at the beginning, and the other two don't know who it's going to be. But it's a lot of celebrity friends. They recently interviewed President Biden, really? which was cool and funny. But the show is funny. Their friendship is is clear, and I really like the vibe. So I think that's a, certainly a super group. Not that they need any promotion. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing just fine. Maybe they'll send some back our way. There you go. <laughs> wow, guys, I'm impressed to get some uh, some deep picks here. I wouldn't have thought we'd go with. Nice. Yeah, tried to keep it interesting for once. <laughs> for once, yeah. What about <laughs> what about all you out there? Best super group across all media, movies, TV, etc. Who's your favorite? Let us know. Albumnerds.com slash discord. You want to get high? <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> so uh, my pick for uh, for a supergroup is an album by uh, the Highway Women. Aha! Uh-huh. You said Highway Women, man. <laughs> uh-huh. What did I do? I told you, no, I Highway Women. Yes, you did. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's high women. You want to get high? <laughs> high women. And uh, yeah, this is their <laughs> their their only record so far. Uh, high women is a, a country music supergroup made up of uh, Brandy Carlisle, uh, Natalie Hemby, Marin Morris, uh, and Amanda Shires. Uh, they're you know they're all uh, established uh, solo artists. Here's the the first cut from the album called High Women. We're the high women. We sing a story still untold. We carry the sons you can only hold. So the high women thing is, is obviously a, a, a reference to you know, the original uh, Highway Men, uh, which was a, a, a super group that it, that was composed of let's see Johnny Cash, uh, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, and Chris Christopherson. Uh, on I, I believe their first record, they did a song called Highway Men that was written by Jimmy Webb. So uh, Carlisle and Shires kind of rewrote the song a bit. Uh, and had it include stories of, of four women. Uh, one's an immigrant, one's a healer, one's a freedom writer, uh, and one's a preacher. So it's all, you know, sort of how women throughout history have sacrificed uh, for the, the greater good. Um, that one actually uh, features vocals, uh, guest vocals from Yola, who's an uh, English singer-songwriter. And there's also some Cher- Cheryl Crow backing vocals on that one. Uh, my three words to de- describe the album, well, the... When we did the Loretta Lynn album, I think I called her a badass bitch, which probably, you know, was not the nicest way to say it. So I just said badass ladies. <laughs> um, so this kind of continues that, that legacy. You know, you've got, you know, four sort of, I don't know if that they're outlaw women or whatever, but, you know, four, you know, strong, empowered singer songwriters. Why don't we play uh, another clip? Uh, this is a song called My Name Can't Be Mama. My name can't be Mama today. Uh-uh. 
All right, so yeah, the, that song, My Name Can't Be Mama, I found very fascinating. You know, there's sort of, even now in 2023, there's this, oh, well, it's women's biological prerogative to have babies, raise babies, and put everything else on the back burner. And that's not the reality and shouldn't be. So I really like the way that they handled the, the different scenarios in which you know, I'm a mother, but I need to go on tour. I've got things I got to do. I, My support system, my family can help. I don't have to do it all. As well as I don't have to have a baby if I don't want to. And I think that's something that as a society we need in, in America, we need to start accepting. I don't like when, when young ladies are pressured, they get married, and then everyone's after them about when are you going to have a baby. It's like, hey, right. <laughs> leave the kid alone. Let her enjoy life for a little while before it's destroyed by children. Uh, <laughs> and the love and the love and the hugs and the butterfly kisses the three words i use to describe this album are passing of the torch this song is a good example high women is a good example uh, there are many songs on this where it is really sort of a putting a foot down and saying in, in, in our country and in country music because country music has been male dominated our country has been a patriarchy saying hey we matter and I really like that the the way that they've done it, where it's not preachy, it's just it just feels like reporting. It's real. I I like this album a lot. Yeah, I could actually, you know, I I could see these these ladies headlining a, a Lilith Fair or something if if that ever if that ever comes back. They should headline Lollapalooza. Yeah, they should. <laughs> okay, well let's uh, let's do another one. Um, here's uh, Loose Change. This is one that I, I believe was uh, written by Marin Morris. To make me feel like a million bucks And now you got me feeling like Loose change Absolutely good, solid country song there With a good idea and a, a great uh, great vocals there from the group. I think this is a really solid country record. I, I think all these artists are, are likable as part of this group. I'm a fan of a, a few of them and their individual careers, uh, especially Amanda, Amanda Shires, who has put out some really interesting music the last few years. Um, as a whole, though, I, you know, like they're all the harmonies. Here it comes. But I kind of feel like <laughs> there's nothing, they don't, no one really takes the lead. There's not really a leader in this group. Uh, Brandy Carlisle kind of seems like she's the, wants to fill that role, but I never really get the impression that she does. And there's not a lot of creativity or thinking outside the box. They're kind of just going through these songs and it's all good, but it feels kind of plain to me, I guess was my, my takeaway. My, my three words are some equals parts. Cause it's kind of, it's, it's kind of what you'd expect this to be, I guess. It's not bad, but it's not extraordinary either. And I, Kind of gets back to that point earlier I had where it was just like, are they helping each other by getting together as a group or is this is this more for them or for us? It feels like it's more for them. I think it's because Dave Cobb produced this and you... Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for you to mention that. You're, you're sick of him. That should have been my three words. <laughs> produced by Cobb. Andy, what's your deal with, with uh, Dave Cobb? Oh, God. We just talked about every one of his records over the last few years. <laughs> just oh. tired of the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is that like the- it's not my fault that he's involved with a lot of talented people. Yeah, he's he's very good. He's very the good. Chris Stapleton, Jason Isbell family, Rival Sons. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, there's a lot. The list goes. He's on. a busy guy. We don't need to get into that again. But yeah, this is a this is a great record. I liked it when I first heard it in 2019, and I like it even more now, having listened to it with purpose. Yeah. So thank you, Doc. Yeah, I, I do get where where Andy's coming from. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't consider it a, a masterpiece or anything, but I think it's a it's a very good country record, especially when you compare it to some of the other things uh, out there. Uh, and I'm I'm just a sucker for this kind of sort of rootsy sounding, you know, country western music. And I can't stop myself from comparing it to that trio record that we did a, a while ago that Andy and the listeners kept out of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Please don't nominate this one. I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> um. And I do hope that, you know, maybe they, they make another record and you know, maybe they'll hit their stride, you know, because there's definitely potential here. I, I think there's there's places to go. Uh, okay. So from September uh, 2019 was The High Women uh, with their, their self-titled debut. This is friendship. Pure, unadulterated friendship. Oh, yeah. Are you a music fan? Join us on the Album Nerds Discord, albumnerds.com slash discord, to discuss what you like, what you dislike, and help induct records to the Album Nerds Hall of Fame. Also, you can suggest topics for the Wheel of Musical Destiny. This radio station was named Audio Slave in honor of the last American heroes to whom speed means freedom of the soul. That was from the movie Vanishing Point, 1971. And the band I'm going to talk about today... Audio Slave used that clip in one of their videos. It's a car racing uh, 70s outlaw type movie. So anyway, Audio Slave, Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, those other dudes from Rage Against <laughs> those the Machine. Those other dudes, the rest of the band, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, Tom Morello, Tim Comerford, and Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine, three of the four members of Rage. So they they broke up. Zach uh, Della Rocha wanted to go another way and then uh they decided to try something a little more melodic a little less rap attack a little less political and uh that turned out to be audio slave so why don't we check out the debut single from the album cochise Where's that coming from at that point, right? That moment, that moment in that song is the whole reason I wanted this to exist when it when it started happening. The three words I used to describe this album were rage against the past. I feel like to a certain extent, although embracing their roots as artists, they were also trying to get away from it and start something new and exciting as a group. And I think Chris Cornell as a solo artist probably missed the group dynamic to a certain extent. I think that the Rage Against the Machine guys were probably enjoying working with a guy that could sing like that and taking advantage of that and how the, how they played their music. Chris Cornell was into the in his cups at the time. He was drinking. Uh, his marriage was falling apart, and his voice sounds ragged. Sounds like a lot of smoking, more ragged than on any other recording, but I love how it sounds. What'd you guys, I mean, when this came out, was this exciting to you? I know it was to me because I wasn't a huge Rage fan because it was too political for me at the time. So I was really, it was really fun to have their music in my life in, in this um, way. Yeah, this got, I mean, this was pretty popular when it came out. Like a lot of radio play. I did own this and yeah, I was just curious. I just wanted something in Chris Cornell. Since Soundgarden had broken up for a while at this point, and his solo stuff wasn't really doing it for me. So yeah, I guess I was kind of 
on board. Yeah, and I was I was working in in rock radio at the time, and you know there there was a lot of anticipation uh, about this record, and I, I think there was hope that it would kind of save the format because that was kind of when when rock radio was was dying. Um, but I remember being surprised by it. I think I was expecting something more in the vein of of rage, and I, I just I, I remember being shocked by how melodic um, you know most of the the songs were. Speaking of melodicness. Melodosis. Melodica. Mel- Ooh, speaking of melodica, <laughs> why don't we listen to I Am the Highway? Ultimately, this record probably wasn't quite what I was looking for from this group. Didn't have that edge I was looking for. But knowing that they're going to go for this kind of more melodic, you know, almost pop rock sound. I think that song is the best example of how that could go. It has like a bigger kind of epic quality to it. And Chris has a great, great, great performance on that track, I think. I don't know if it's just because the lyrics kind of fit with what he was going through at that time. You know, just idea of like things are just passing by you or you're just kind of watching things, you know, as they, as they go by. It seemed to, it seemed to work really well. Uh, I didn't have that you know, that rage edge that I was kind of expecting. But uh, I think in that case, it works pretty well. So my, my three words for this record are Rage Garden, It Ain't. As you can hear elements of, of you know, Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine in here. But together, it's not really either of those things. It's something new, which I guess is cool. But I still don't think it as interesting as either of those bands were when they were together. Like I said, I, I, the Euphoria Morning album... The solo album before this of Chris Cornell, it 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 was so soft. So anything hard, ed- like I just wanted anything from him where he was <laughs> yeah. screaming and rocking, you know. Because I also like I thought down on the upside, the last Soundgarden album in that period was too experimental and not hard rock enough. So I think it was I just wanted some hard rock from Chris Cornell. So I was gonna take it in any form I could get it. I think that's what rock radio was hoping for. <laughs> yeah. Did this save the format though? Like I didn't feel like there was some, some pretty big singles off of this, right? It delayed its yeah. demise. This uh actually um sane anger is what yeah. killed it. <laughs> Because <laughs> we we were hoping for you know you know that we'd have five cuts to play from yeah, that album. And, nah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and this I think other super groups kind of you know like uh, around the same time, Velvet Revolver, which I think is the the less interesting of the two. If I were comparing them at the time, I loved the Velvet Revolver album. Listening to it now, the first one, it does not hold my attention as much as this one still does. Yeah, I just wish it. I wish it was a little bit more boundary pushing. Like you can still have your singles, but do something a little bit more creative on the rest of the record. Would have been looking back on it, it feels kind of samey. I think Revelations and Out of Exile, the second two albums. Yeah, I never listened to those. Are they any good? Or they are. They're less like they're less hard rocky, and they they definitely kind of catch a pocket. They sort of find their groove, and it they do sort of develop a unique sound to Audio Slave. So there's there's the rocking, but they the melodic stuff takes more hold you know this album is very large it's very long there's a lot of songs it's epic in its scope and that includes the closer the last remaining light yeah i often gravitate to the the final song on on an album and that's that's a good one the three words I, I chose to describe the the album 
um, I kind of ran out of like rage against the whatever ideas, <laughs> you know, like trying to incorporate the, the names yeah. of the bands. Um, but I, I just stole one of the, the song titles getaway car so i said creative getaway car um so i think for for both sides of the equation here you know they, they've got an opportunity to to do something uh to do something different i keep coming back to sammy hagar joining van halen because uh i don't know it i it, it was a completely i mean obviously it still sounded like van halen but it, it was a completely different thing and you know i, I think hagar brought in Maybe a, a bit more seriousness or something. Um, it's Van Halen, not Van Hagar. Don. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, they, they became more melodic. You know, it wasn't just it wasn't just drop dead legs anymore. Um, and it, it kind of uh, it's not exactly the same, but it, but you have you know the guys from from Rage Against the Machine, you know, being able to do something a little bit different, uh, but still you know really highlighting um, you know Morello, Morello's guitar playing which um over the years I've, I've started to to appreciate i think i had that version of guitar hero where you could like unlock him or something <laughs> so I, I think that's when i uh kind of realized how good of a, a guitarist he was so I, you know i just think this is a, a really cool record and again it just sounds like guys you know writing songs together you know it 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 doesn't play like rage against the machine meets meets soundgarden just like like andy said and these are guys just you know getting together writing songs and um i mean this is a really solid effort and a, and a good listen it's been 20 years go back to it go listen to the audio slave debut album i think you'll be pleased i wonder if our conclusions changed at all you know, from the beginning of thinking about supergroups and then experiencing, digging through, looking for stuff to talk about for this week. And I think when it's right, it's right. And when it's wrong, it's right for somebody. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I think my opinion of supergroups have gone down a little bit after digging into them in more detail. I'm not convinced that it's really a recipe for a great band to have a lot of big personalities or a lot of extremely talented people together. It does happen occasionally, but I think as a whole, if all of our bands were like this, I think it would be worse off your music. So The best supergroups are ones you don't know are supergroups. The ones that have become something. And Audio Slave got close. They kind of became their own thing and ceased being the Rage Against the Machine Chris Cornell right. project. I think those that's when it's a true success. Yeah, when it becomes its own thing. Yeah. I, so, I mean, overall, I, you know, I think we picked, uh, you know, three, you know, three pretty good examples of, of super groups. Even, you know, I, I think in two of them, there might be a little bit of disappointment in them. You know, the idea of a, a, a high, high women or, you know, the idea of audio slave maybe is, is greater than what it ended up being. That's the danger yeah. of super groups. That's a good kicker right there. That's the danger of super groups. <laughs> and that's one to grow. Density. I mean, your destiny. All right, boys and girls, gather around when we bring out Wadbot here to determine uh, our destiny for next week. Your musical destiny will take you to one man. You will explore the extensive production discography of Rick Rubin. Didn't we just do a Rick Rubin record? The one, the audio <laughs> yeah, slave. Audio slave. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Should not be too hard. 
<laughs> to find a Rick Rubin record. Okay, what's your favorite Rick Rubin album? What else are you listening to? Let us know. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com slash Discord. Uh, email us at podcast at albumnerds.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Album Nerds. And also, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support. Uh, yeah, we have one more week, so get your votes in if you care about NXS's album Kick, I believe, trending towards getting added into the ANOPS. So if you feel strongly about Kick, be sure to get to the Album Nerds Discord, albumnerds.com slash Discord, and albumnerds.com to cast your ballot for NXS's Kick. Thank you so much for checking out the Album Nerds podcast. We'll catch you next time with a nice, delicious Rick Rubin sandwich. Mm-mm. And now, Deep Thoughts by The Professor. If you're brave enough to say goodbye, life will reward you with a new hello. Wow, that was really moving. My bowels. <laughs> <laughs>